Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome back to episode 291 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. And as I always, I am super excited and grateful that you are tuning in to our show today. We just closed the door for our recent workshop. And I did lots of research and additional kind of reading for our workshop, which was on helping men. It was a workshop for men to experience ejaculatory control, have get rid of erectile worries. And one of the questions that I got a lot from our participants, it was about herbal medicine, holistic approaches to address erectile dysfunction and the challenges they had around erectile functioning. And as a psychologist, I felt I didn't have enough information about this topic. So I did some research and I came across this very interesting systematic review article that looked into a number of different studies on herbal remedies and alternative medicine and their efficacy. And I was so excited because the study looked so good that I reached out to the author and invited them to join us today and they accepted our invitation. I am so excited to have someone that's a director of School of Natural Medicine, Dr. Christian Lysengang, to talk about this topic because I feel when we're thinking about alternative medicine, there's just so many products out there and some of them, as we're going to talk about, they are not effective and it can be dangerous for people. So I invite you to definitely listen to this episode to the end. We're going to talk about the research study. We're going to talk about what are some of the actual ingredients that research shows that it can help you with erectile functioning. What are some of the lifestyle changes that we, we have both experienced our practices that help people with erectile challenges and how and where can you get the right type of herb. As I mentioned, our guest is Dr. Christian Lysagang. They are currently the director of School of Medicine in University of the Western Cape, Cape Town, South Africa, with over 12 years of academic and clinical experience. He is a clinically trained and registered homeopathic doctor in South Africa and further obtained a PhD in medical science. His learning and teaching focus in on clinical science modules and diagnostic training to national medicine students as well as research supervision for postgraduate students in master and PhD programs. You can read his full bio in the show notes and we have a link to his contact information. If you have missed our workshop and you want to sign up for the next one, I just want to remind you that you can sign up for the waiting list. The door for the workshop is closed, but if you are interested, you can put your name in the list. So when we are opening the workshop next, you'll be the first person 
to know. Before we go into our conversation today, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth, they produce one of the best premium bedding in the market. They're so generous that they offer 40% promote code to our listeners. So go to the link in the show notes and put sexology to get your wonderful cozy earth sheets. I'm going to add and talk about my experience with their products. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Christian Lysagang. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Christian Lysengang on our show. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? It's Lysengang, but that was fine. <laughs> well, it's lovely to have you here. I know we practiced it 10 times right before we started recording, and I'm, that's not my strength. I'm very excited about our conversation today. As a psychologist, I have a good understanding of different treatments of erectile challenges that people have, erectile worries that they have. But I came across your study on herbal remedies and holistic approaches when it comes to treatment of erectile dysfunction. I found it fascinating. And I I know you've done lots of work around that. So tell us a little bit about your work. So I am a homeopath and I work also in medical science with the University of the Western Cape. So I head up the School of Natural Medicine there, and I do research mostly around male reproductive concerns, fertility, infertility, as well as testosterone, particularly in the context of obesity and metabolic syndrome and those sorts of things. So I've had a lot of experience on the research side with male reproductive health, the physiology, the pathophysiology, the pathology side. But I also also do research within natural medicine, particularly looking for solutions around low testosterone in males, concerns around erectile dysfunction and infertility. So that is more or less the research work that I do and that I'm involved in, or have been involved in and continue to do with partners both locally and internationally. So this study you're referring to is a review study that came out of collaborations, particularly with a partner Dr. Renata Finelli, who currently works as an embryologist in London. Um, I'm happy to speak about what we found. Excellent. And I know what I love about that, that kind of like part article that you published, it was a systematic review of what's available. And I feel like sometimes, at least as someone that's not in that field, find that that's not something that's widely available. So tell us a little bit about the study that you examined and reviewed for that article. And what were some of the findings there? So yes, uh, you correctly point out it was a systematic review. Systematic reviews is a methodology and research that allows us to to look at a range of different clinical trials, usually looking at clinical trials. So we can go through the literature and have a look at different clinical trials and try and pull them into a larger study to see what effect there is across different studies. So they become very useful. Obviously, you may be aware that, you know, controlled trials are seen as a high level of of research for medical application. So pooling a number of different trials together um, adds an added advantage to get a very good insight into, you know, what may and may not be working. So erectile dysfunction and, and male sexual dysfunction 
function in general is a, a very significant portion of the market within natural medicine, alternative medicine, etc. It's a very it's a very sought after um, area where people are, are spending a lot of money. So we wanted to have a look at how much evidence is there for any or as many of these products that are out there. How much evidence is currently exists in this randomized controlled trial manner. So we put together a, a methodology in order to extract and find all the studies where we were looking at any natural medicine or alternative medicine or any approach. And if it's been tested on males with erectile dysfunction, very specifically on males with erectile dysfunction. So we could get a sense for how much evidence base is there for a lot of these remedies that are being used um, over the counter and in the, in the general marketplace. Well, tell us for that study, how did you define the erectile dysfunction? So erectile dysfunction is essentially defined as an inability to maintain an erection for sexual intercourse. So it's a very broad definition. Um, specifically in this study, um, we use what's called the IIEF, which stands for the International Index of Erectile Function. So this is a score sheet that patients can fill in with different domains. And it gives a sense or a measure of their erectile and sexual function. And it's used, it's, it's a validated score sheet, meaning that it's been tested to the results of it correlate with patients really having erectile uh, dysfunction. And um, it's been used across numerous studies, particularly with medicines like Viagra, the very common not commercial medicine, the normal medicine. Sorry, mm. I'm just using the word there for a Pharmaceutical. Second. Pharmaceutical medicine. So the IIEF is used across a range of studies to measure the rates of erectile dysfunction in populations, to measure the impact of medicines, et cetera. So we decided to try and keep the outcomes as consistent as possible across the different papers that we were going to define our patients with erectile dysfunction with studies that had used that score sheet. So there's a specific score under which you would be defined as having erectile dysfunction. And that's a universal assessment that like people use in different yes. disciplines. So that's that's a wonderful tool to use for kind of like make sure that uh, kind of like the assessment and all of there's a similarities on the definition and generality and that that sounds like a it was a very interesting kind of like way of making sure that the data is cohesive well when you when you talked about those studies are what are some of the kind of like are those within kind of certain countries is it globally how did you find those studies so the way we find these studies but is by looking through different databases so um research is is published through peer-reviewed journals accredited journals and there's numerous different databases by which they get deposited on. So we use various keywords selected for the study. Um, it's, it's standardized and systematic reviews, but you'd use specific keywords to try and identify the studies that you would want to find. And usually you'll find many thousands of studies, and then you have to systematically go through them with a, a specific criteria of what you're looking for to then decide, do we include these in our analysis or do we exclude? For example, I think we had over 1,200 odd studies that we came up with, but only 42 met the inclusion criteria at the end, which is quite common. So it's a very thorough, systematic way to look through all the different databases using specific keywords to look for to look for the, the specific topic or aim. So here we're looking for erectile dysfunction, different words around that, but also specifically natural medicine, alternative medicine, using different um, a lot of different terms: homeopathy, chiropractic, Veda, Chinese medicine, but also specific herbs that are used. So we were able to capture uh, most studies that 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 are available. 
when it comes to kind of alternative medicine, holistic medicine, how those treatments are different than pharmaceutical ones? Yes and no. In some ways, on the on the no side, many of natural medicines, when they get investigated further for the efficacy, but then also how they work, you will find that they do work on similar mechanisms of action that that sort of um, your normal usual drugs would work on your pharmaceuticals. Um, and that's not uncommon in, in the study. It's not what we're looking for in the study in our mechanisms, but in our discussion, we look at different papers with evidence. And I'll, I'll come back to that uh, as an example. But also... I would say no. In a way, uh, natural medicines go beyond that. They definitely go well beyond that because they don't usually work on a single mechanism of action. It depends on your on your medicine, but things like herbal medicine, which are commonly used, they often work on multiple mechanisms of action. So they're not just taking care of one component of what might be a complaint. So in that way, they, they afford a lot more benefits and synergistic effects um, on the physiology in order to to create a better response. And that is often why, at least partly why, it would be a lot safer, more tolerable to use in high dosage for long duration. There are exceptions, but that's the general rule. Um, there are very important exceptions. And they can be very effective, especially in the long term on chronic pathologies and chronic complaints like erectile dysfunction commonly would be. So an example here would be pharmaceuticals that are commonly used to treat erectile dysfunction work on a molecule called nitric oxide. And it basically increases the activity of nitric oxide, which allows for erection to happen. I won't get into too much detail. We can if we need to. And some of the medicines that, that have some good evidence for being effective in erectile dysfunction, herbal medicines like ginseng, Korean ginseng, for example, they've also been shown to work on nitric oxide. But there's other components that often compound in erectile dysfunction, inflammation, oxidative stress, maybe insulin resistance in many cases these days. And you'll find Korean ginseng, not in this study, but if you look at other studies of Korean ginseng, it's very effective on, on, on that systemic inflammation, oxidative stress, insulin sensitivity, which can all, when you're balancing that out, have an, an impact on the body as a whole, but also on the complaint here being erectile dysfunction. So often they will, when they use correctly, they will add a lot more than pharmaceuticals. But you will find in most cases, natural medicines have a similar mechanism of action somewhere in what, in what they do. And as you mentioned, it could be less, have less side effects on the body, it would be easier to tolerate, as you mentioned. I find that kind of like getting the right dose sometimes is challenging and sometimes finding the type of it that's as effective is, is also challenging because sometimes there are inconsistencies in the component and how much potency of different supplements that people are taking. So tell us about, I love that you've looked at a number of different studies and found that what are some of the common ones that was powerful and helpful. So uh, you mentioned one of them, but what are some of the other ones? Yes, uh, just on a previous point you made there, and I think I wouldn't like to skip past it. It's very important. You are entirely correct when it comes to natural medicines, herbal medicines and availability, that there's a wide range of products available which come in very different dosages. They're made in very different ways. And that, that is a minefield. It's a topic for a different day. But it's very important to find the right medicine. It's been found, made in a proper standardized method. It has standardized extractions with it. So you know what you're getting. And you're getting a decent dose that research has shown to be effective. And all too often, you won't find that. So, so that, that's where you need to go to your professionals 
before guidance. Okay. But yes, now that's a very important point. So other herbal medicines we found. So we've, this study, we found 42, or we included 42 randomized controlled trials that had looked at some form of natural medicine as a sole treatment against a control group. And of those 42, it went somewhat overlapping, but the, the herbs we found most common was Korean ginseng, which is fairly famous. One maybe not so famous, Pignogenol. It's also, well, it's made, that's a product name, I'll come back to it. Made from a, a plant, or well, it's a tree, Pana. Pinus panasta, it's the bark from a tree. There's also six studies that are available there. Then there's a few with less. Tremulus terrestris only has four. And then an amino acid, so it's not a herb, called L-arginine, maybe almost uh, also fairly famous, possibly. Um, there were seven studies there. And a few in acupuncture and a number of herbs that just had one study, which I will can go through them as well. But I think the first point that comes out of this is there are, you know, considering that natural medicines get used so extensively um, in the public domain, there are relatively few trials that are looking at any forms of herbal medicine. So Korean ginseng is probably the one with um, the most evidence as a standalone herb. It had four studies where it was used as a sole herb, just the Korean ginseng, which were showed all significant benefit in erectile dysfunction, and a number of studies where it was combined with, with other ingredients, um, where it also showed good effects. Other one which has very well, okay, look, there's few studies in general, but, you know, from what does exist in the literature that's showing significant benefit in erectile dysfunction is, it's a commercial product called Prignogenol. I'm not sure where, in which countries it is always available in. It's spelled P-Y-G-N-O-G-E-N-O-L. It's made predominantly from Pinus panasta. So that's a tree and the bark from a tree, like I'd mentioned earlier. And essentially, it's had probably some of the most studies done, probably driven from a commercial side um, and shown very good benefits in all of those studies on erectile dysfunction. It has a related product called Prelox, which has also shown good benefits which is basically the same product mixed with a few added compounds. And, and you can get a sense now, as I go through some of these, the complexities in herbal medicine and the evidence around it and the testing, because even not only in the commercial domain, do you find ranges of different mixtures, ranges of different extraction methods and dosages, but we see that in the research too. So it's very difficult to find consistency across studies. Then I think probably next herb from that would be tribulus terrestris, but there's only four studies with only one of those being as a single herb. The other three, it was a main component in a in a complex with other with other herbal ingredients. But again, they all showed, all those studies showed a positive benefit for erectile dysfunction. So, and that was the main ones that came through. There was a few that just had one study, maca or Peruvian bark, saffron, niacin, which is vitamin D3 and DHEA, which is a hormone really pro hormone so, so those are the herbal side I also i think i touched on l-arginine as an amino acid there were seven studies there very good evidence around l-arginine but it was generally included as part of that prelox 
um, compound I spoke about earlier. But I think the most interesting that came out of this was, and we included it in the study, was nutrition and exercise. So most complementary and alternative medicine and traditional knowledge systems in, in, in traditional medicine have nutrition and or exercise as part of their base. So we didn't exclude exercise or nutrition as, as part of complementary and alternative medicines in our definition of studies we wanted to include. And there was eight studies that had looked at, at lifestyle and nutrition. And they showed seemed to show some of the best impact, especially around Mediterranean diets, low carbohydrate diets, weight loss in obesity and diabetic men particularly, regular physical exercise, pelvic floor muscle exercises, which all had very significant and consistent benefits males with erectile dysfunction. So those were the main findings. What a wonderful comprehensive study. And I would lifestyle changes. I I also see a lot of resulting clients coming from the eating disorder, like part of my practice, the eating disorder, kind of like I have an eating disorder background. And I know that there are like, we talk about all foods are good foods. So it's a different kind of approach but i see with lots of men who are struggling with uh, erectile functioning kind of some even minor adjustment in their diets can be very impactful and exercise what are some of the adjustments you recommend for people who are interested in kind of making that lifestyle change of their diets that you find is powerful in your clients so well yeah this is always very difficult i think i find nutrition to be quite something you need to consult with on an individual level and in individual basis it's very hard to give a blanket response it depends on their obesity their levels of exercise etc so i would generally give different advice to different patients but i think with the erectile dysfunction i, I do see commonly it affects your middle-aged male they're a little bit obese they work a lot they, they're stressed and it's very hard for them to make big changes and i think sometimes even before diet it's important to look at alcohol and or smoking which have a bigger impact on erectile dysfunction in terms of risk factors so that's one area to to have a very serious and good look at and even just by changing those or reducing significantly alcohol intake if it's a concern and or stopping smoking alone can make an important difference and then often i would i would look at reducing yeah common things around whole foods etc very important increasing fruits and vegetables very important particularly vegetables and reducing carbohydrates especially your well of course your sugars and those sort of high energy carbohydrates but even things like pastas and breads and possibly rice um, even your complex carbohydrates even your starchy vegetables maybe not in the long term but but in the short term particularly if there's a level of overweight or obesity and particularly when you find insulin resistance which is another topic but it plays a significant role in that sort of presentation of erectile dysfunction so there, it's, it's, it's very much by reducing as much of the sugars as you can and increasing your healthy fats, your good fats, nuts and seeds and, and oils, vegetable oils, particularly in those. Then if you can even incrementally do that, it, it makes big differences. I agree with you. And I agree with what you said about the kind of individualized approach, because sometimes people start doing kind of extreme restriction that also can have a negative impact on their sexual yes. functioning. Uh, so mm. I think, uh, as you mentioned, kind of consulting with your nutritionist, your holistic doctor, it's also very, very important. You know, what's also very interesting 
interesting, this kind of lifestyle change around movement and exercise that, that you mentioned. And even with people who struggle with early ejaculation, that's that's been shown to be effective. In this study, do they look at the duration of the exercise? Was that kind of like consistency in that? What were some of the findings there? Yes, the studies that we would have included definitely would have definitely have included their, their duration. Offhand with individual studies, I'm not entirely certain. I can have a quick look if needed. But for the most part, they were around eight to 12 weeks with nutrition interventions. There was one or two that I think were up to six months with the nutrition interventions. But the ones particularly around exercise were shorter duration, if I recall, that that showed benefits. But things like Korean ginseng that you mentioned, is that supplement that people start taking and they see result within a period of time? Is it important in duration? When, when are they taking it? It's important. So tell us more about that. So I, I think the first consideration is just to make sure you've got an appropriate diagnosis or you've got an appropriate understanding of what's happening. So erectile dysfunction can happen have a number of different causes. Firstly, quite commonly, they can be related purely to psychological components, anxiety, depression, performance pressure or performance anxiety, um, relationship concerns, um, a number of psychological concerns, stress, etc. So, you know, those need looking at. And then maybe none of these interventions are overly important because people could still be having depression, anxiety, but yet be eating well and living generally healthy. So you would need to look at it from a different point of view. Then you've got a number of lifestyle risk factors, smoking, tobacco, recreational drugs, alcohol, some we've mentioned. Some I've just touched on, obesity, metabolic syndrome, and diabetes, very much linked to erectile dysfunction. So, so again, depending on, on who the patient is or who the client is, are we sure there's not a, a diabetes underlying this or other metabolic or cardiovascular concerns? So alongside that, it's linked with, or erectile dysfunction linked with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, or cholesterol dysregulation, um, systemic inflammation, that um, can also be a problem underlying heart disease or cardiovascular disease risk then there's more obvious things which you know most most people we wouldn't really you know you'd see more clearly maybe multiple sclerosis spinal cord injuries but also sometimes medications antidepressants for example some blood pressure medications could also be linked so it's important just you know to to have a proper understanding of what could be causing this and what could be driving it we need to look at other um, assessments, um, do some blood tests um, and do or do some scans. So, so getting professional input is important, important there. So, so some of the di- underlying diagnoses might need a different route. But, but most commonly where we'd be dealing with erectile dysfunction, you might be in the psychological domain or we're going to be in these risk factors around obesity, cardiovascular disease, those sorts of things. And getting combination treatment, that's again where exercise nutrition is very beneficial because you're not only improving your your erectile function and sexual behavior, but you're taking care of many of these other concerns. So, so if those risks are also there, you want to, that's where you really want to aim your treatments. And like I say, something like Korean ginseng does work very well on not only erectile function through nitric oxide, but on different components that affect cardiovascular function as well. So 
in order to get a handle on on dosage and what you should take again i would suggest firstly that that professional input is often needed it can be a minefield unfortunately and dosages can range you also got other considerations that you know herb drug interactions so you could interfere with other medication i mean those are rare but they they do need and are on need to be considered so that that that's one way to look at it but i think from a more practical point of view, a lot of these herbs or all of them that have come through in, in our results, have, have they can all be taken in high dosage for long periods of time with, with no major side effects. Many of them don't have any uh, major herb drug interactions. I think the most important one out of all of these would be Korean ginseng and possibly anxiety, restlessness sometimes. So what's available in the markets place is generally a good place or is, is generally a safe place to, to, to go. As long as you, you know what you're dealing with, you, you don't have an underlying disorder or, 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 or pathology that needs looking at and needs focus or treatments, then, you, then you're able to, to go and get a product that, you know, comes through the reviews and these results and, and see how it works. Another good way around that is, is commercialized products. So this products, um, I've got no financial interest in anyone, but the products Pignogenol um, that came through with a couple of their studies. Now they would be, we're getting, there's few of those, but we're getting more and more of them where we do have a commercialized proprietary products of natural medicine that does have some testing behind it. And it also then does come with the appropriate dosage and that you should be taking, et cetera, et cetera, which can be very useful and helpful. I love when you highlighted the complexity of one's erectile challenge, because I sometimes people think about, okay, uh, I have erectile dysfunction, perhaps it's a low testosterone or like that's it. Like without thinking about, as you mentioned, it could be physical reasons for all sorts of kind of lifestyle factor, uh, vascular challenges, neurological challenges you mentioned, or psychological, or it could be related to the relational psychosocial things, psychosexual things. So I, I, love that you highlighted that kind of an understanding where where is my challenge lies i think that can be very beneficial and important one of the interesting things that you mentioned in your uh, in the systematic study and also here mixed things about is acupuncture is acupuncture effective for treatments of erectile dysfunction Okay, so again, just two things in one. I just want to take another step back. You mentioned low testosterone, and I should have put in that on my my causes because low testosterone is becoming an increasing and common phenomenon. It's also associated with obesity, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, cardiovascular disease. Not all men with erectile dysfunction have low testosterone. I think that's important to highlight. Um, but if there is an underlying low testosterone, then that's what needs to be aimed at the treatment. You need to then have a look at why there is underlying, why there is low testosterone, what could be the underlying cause. So similar but different sets of causes, which you know we won't go into here. And herbal medicine can also be fantastic for that, by the way. Um, although none of these medicines, okay, let's not go there. Ginseng, funny enough, is get used a lot for increasing testosterone, but it doesn't seem to have the evidence for that. So that's a very important one as as a potential cause and something to look for and treat if it's there. But coming to acupuncture. So to answer the question in short, there's just not enough evidence there. We found two studies um, on acupuncture. Now, maybe I should have mentioned this earlier. 
Another uh, potential limitation of a study is we were limited to English only studies. So there might be some other studies which would have otherwise qualified um, for this review, but were maybe in Chinese, not in English language. Um, based on title, that doesn't seem to be the case, though, because we didn't exclude any papers, um, because often the titles are all in English and they would come up. So I don't recall that we excluded any papers um, because of Chinese language that would have otherwise been included. So our study found only two acupuncture studies. One of them tested acupuncture to a control group, but it had a very low number of participants. I think it was below 10, if I stand to be corrected. Uh, it did find the benefits of, of an acupuncture technique. The other study compared two different acupuncture techniques, the standard technique to a warm needling technique. And that found that the warm needling technique had a better effect than the standard technique, but it didn't have it to a proper control group. So there's only the two studies that we found. The one had a small sample, but did find benefits. And the other one didn't really have a, a control or who did not receive acupuncture. So at the moment, at least in the world of controlled trials, there, there's no clear evidence that acupuncture would work for erectile dysfunction. Um, but I think this is a good example also to point out um, that this doesn't mean acupuncture would not work or does not work. And it doesn't mean any of the other herbs that haven't come up in our study don't work. I think what our study shows also is that there have not been enough controlled trials in complementary and alternative medicine. So we wanted to look at controlled trials which were done appropriately to the appropriate standards as best as we could. And with only 40 two existing that is a very low number so and out of the 42 that we had included i can't give a percentage but the vast majority had a positive or benefit beneficial impact on erectile dysfunction at least on the iief as we measured erectile dysfunction or these studies measured it and essentially a lot of these studies are showing positive benefits so so to say that acupuncture doesn't work in erectile dysfunction would be incorrect all we can say is there's just we don't have enough studies to prove that it does. And I think that would be the case for most of the herbs and the products that are on the market. There's over 700 herbs that are advertised in markets as aphrodisiacs and are performance enhancing in men. And only a handful of those have been investigated. Very few. I agree with you. And I think even kind of going back to the point of acupuncture, I love acupuncture myself. It helps with reducing stress. And I can imagine if I was a penis owner, less stress, meaning that being able to more relax as far as psychological component of things, and perhaps it helps with erectile dysfunction if stress is getting in the way. What I find challenging is that as we talked about, there's just like a galaxy of option with herbal medicine in the market, just because how lucrative it can be. And with the number of different efficacy and some, some of them that like FDA kind of recommends announced being dangerous. So if people want to kind of find that, okay, what are the safest way I can find the herb that will help me with this issue? Who should I go to? How should I know the person is credible? What are some of the suggestions you have for us? Yes, no, that, that is very important. Um, I think one first point there, and particularly in the United States, um, but I think it is global, but a, a lot of that research from the USA, um, a lot of products that are sold as natural alternative products are contaminated with conventional pharmaceuticals. So you do find, and there is a lot of performance enhancing, it might have ginseng on the label or something, but it's got a pharmaceutical in it that is, is basically your Viagra. And patients may overdose on that. And 
and there have been many reported incidents around this. So it is a problem. It's a problem in the industry. Uh, and I always think, you know, I, I'm, I'm obviously a big advocate of natural medicine, but the industry does have significant problems. They are they want to make money as much as the pharmaceutical industry. Do. So how do you navigate through that minefield? Um, maybe two ways. The one way is to find reputable practitioners who have been appropriately trained. Now that, I'll come back to that, but that's difficult because it changes, the laws change from region to region. The other way maybe would be to know of reputable companies that um, it might be harder to identify, but, but you know that they make products that are not contaminated, they, you know, the ingredients match what you expect to find in the bottle. Possibly even there are more and more of them. They test their products for basic safety. They test their products for basic minimum standards. They test their products even for efficacy. So, and it's difficult to give names. I wouldn't want to at the top of my head. And again, they, they range from region to region. So I'm based in South Africa and products that are available here might not be available in other regions and vice versa. And now that, that comes back to the first point on finding a practitioner. In South Africa, we have a well-regulated natural medicine environment. So we, we have a number of professions that are legislated and trained to operate at a diagnostic doctor level, essentially, but the scope of practice is different. So it includes homeopathy, where I am. Chinese medicine, phytotherapy, Yunani medicine, as well as naturopathy, um, chiropractic also that is taught in South Africa. So these are all doctor professions. And it's easy then to say, you know, to go to one of these professions, because in most places around South Africa, you can find one of these practitioners who have been trained and are able to give you the advice from not only that, but they're able to do the diagnostic service as well as help, you know, give you advice around the treatment, what products, and often many of them will make the products themselves. So, so, so in South Africa, it's a lot easier to answer that question. I mean, in the USA, things are quite different. And from state to states, they will also be quite difference so what i would suggest possibly is the best place for some people to start might be to find in 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 their area if there is a local college or local university or local area where they train some form of natural medicine but even that in itself is difficult because there's lots of different types of natural medicine that get trained so that might and then to, to try and just to speak to them and see if they've got advice on who might be the best practitioner or is there a local association that also has professionals? Do you have regions in the world where you can literally do a weekend course and go and call yourself a herbalist and, or traditional healer or, or some variety of healer and be giving people advice? And in many places, you can get away from that, away with that. So basic questions would be who's giving you advice? Have they been trained? Where they've been trained, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that's not easy. Well, that's why I think it's amazing that people like you are doing this very interesting and important research on these things. So globally, you people kind of can become more of a more informed, well-informed consumers. So yes. if people want to get a hold of your research, your practice, what are some of the places they can find you? Uh, well, my name's fairly unique. So you could look me up there. I'm not overly active on social media. But if you look for me on LinkedIn, I have a profile on LinkedIn. Also on ResearchGate, you can find that's a sort of a platform for academics and scientists. 
So my profile on ResearchGate will have a link to all of my research papers and activities, as well as Google Scholar. You can have a look at my name. You'll find a lot of my research papers there. I work with the School of Natural Medicine at the University of the Western Cape. So you can also find my contact details there. Easiest way to get hold of me would be through email. So um, my email address is klizergang. So I'll spell it out. K-L-E-I-S-E-G-A-N-G at uwc.ac.za for South Africa. So that's, yeah, I'm not sure if that came through, but it's klizergang at uwc.ac.za. My other email address you could get me at, maybe a little simpler, it's Chris with the K, K-R-I-S at natural-med.co.za. So natural-med, short for medicine. So yeah, you can find me online or email me if I convey that spelling well enough. <laughs> well, we'll put it on the show notes so will people have access oh, to fantastic. that. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being so generous with the information. And I'm sure this information will help many of our listeners. And thanks again. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. I learned from Dr. Lysengang a lot about different herbs and different approaches. And I found their article very interesting. So if you are academically oriented, it would be interesting to check it out. At the end, I wanted to thank again our sponsor, Cozy Earth. I love their sheets. I got the first pack as a gift and then I started buying them myself because they're just so comfortable. And the most important part is the temperature regulated part of it. As someone that shares the bed with my partner, our bed tend to get super hot and and it just makes sleeping so much more challenging. That's why I love Cozy Earth. They're super soft. They are made from soft and sustainable material. And more importantly, it keeps you cool and comfortable all night long, regardless of your partner's uh, temperature. If you want to check it out, go to the link below. And if you want to show some love to us, make sure you are including our promo code sexology to get 40% off. All right. Thank you so much for listening to our show and I'll see you next week right here. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.